0: hey all you cool cats and kittens. No, this isn't Carol Baskin from the Tiger King. You're listening to the Eco Interviews podcast, where we amplify the voices of eco-warriors from across the world. My name is Fiona Martin. I started the Eco Interviews as a way to speak to people who are involved in helping tackle the climate crisis we find ourselves in. In this episode, we chat with Stephanie Gibson, a St. Petersburg, Florida resident who, along with her husband Bill, turned their yard into St. Pete's Microfarm. Following permaculture practices, Steph and Bill have created an edible forest with over 60 fruiting trees and shrubs, five raised beds, and three adopted chickens. I highly recommend that you follow St. Pete's Microfarm on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with everything they're growing on their doorstep. Steph and I talk about permaculture, composting, and how both can be a way forward to reducing harmful impact on our ecosystem. I'll be posting more information about composting and how to get started on our Facebook and Instagram accounts, and staff is available to answer questions in the Eco Interviews group on Facebook. I encourage you to join us over there for some great follow-up content. You can find links to our socials on www.eco-interviews.com, and you can donate to the Eco Interviews by clicking the podcast button on our website. Finally, I have to apologize for the poor sound quality of my vocals on this podcast. I was not using the correct microphone at the time and didn't realize it until the interview was over. This is a learning experience for me and is my goal to provide the best quality content possible, but sometimes these things happen. It shouldn't detract too much from the quality of the conversation. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Stephanie. Today we have Stephanie Gibson with us for the eco-interviews. How are you doing? I'm doing well, how are you Fiona? I'm doing great. So Stephanie is a busy project manager and a dedicated triathlete who lives in St. Petersburg, Florida with her husband Bill. After she and Bill bought a house together in August, 2018 they realized their new home needed a big makeover. The dead lawn in the front front and back had to go. Looking for inspiration, they asked how can we radically transform this space? Hundreds of YouTube videos and research hours later they've planted over 60 fruiting trees and shrubs built five raised beds, adopted three chickens and poured in a lot of love. Their home has become St. Pete's micro farm. So I'm super excited to speak to you because I want to hear more about you. And I also want to hear about um, how you got into this transformation, buying a home and then starting St. Pete's micro farm.
1: Yeah. Um, so I had never actually done any kind of gardening before. I had my little herb garden in our little apartment and, uh after we bought the house, I we a couple weeks later we volunteered at a community farm. Uh, at the time, it was called the e, St. Pete Eco Village. Now it's called the 15th Street Farm. And we spent the day. We were planting some cover crops, and we got talking to the two gentlemen who had started the farm, and sat down, had some fresh papaya, and we're just hanging out talking after we had volunteered all morning. And Bill Bolado was um, one of the gentlemen, and he recommended I read Gaia's Garden. And it's a book about permaculture for, you know, someone just living on a regular city lot like us. And, um, yeah, it was, I was fascinated by the book. And I was like, oh, yeah, all of these systems can work together. And we had this house that just had dead grass. And there previously had been a tree in the front yard and the tree was gone. And so we literally had a blank slate to work with. And so I devoured that book. And then we started digging into some YouTube videos. And I got really interested in a lot of the ones about food forests. And i was just, oh my gosh, we live in Florida, we can grow all of this cool stuff. And so just digging in, and we just started planting things. And we went to Gosh, there's a couple local nurseries that we really like, and got some natives. And then we're always asking, oh, what kind of edible things do you have? And then we end up meeting uh, a neighbor down the street who completely transformed her yard, and she's got flowers and vegetables and fruiting trees all over her yard. And she just gifted us with a bunch of cuttings, and we've just kind of gone bonkers since then, and just planted our entire front yard and our entire backyard. Um, I guess technically it started by mulching the whole thing, which was a lot of work. (laughs) Um, Thankfully, the city of St. Pete offers free mulch delivery. Well, sorry, the mulch is free and Uh you pay for delivery. And so we got um, 30 cubic yards of mulch delivered, which is like an entire driveway full. (laughs) Um, And I think we did that twice and covered the entire front and backyards. And that's how we got started.
0: That's amazing. I was going to ask you about how you got started because if you do start with that blank slate, sometimes the soil is like immature and you just can't dig and plant in it. So obviously, you had to build up the soil using mulch. Is that was the the idea behind it? Yeah.
1: Yep. And one of the tips in the um, Guy's Garden was the lasagna method and put down cardboard and then put down your mulch and then put some more cardboard. And we somewhat put the cardboard. We actually did better on the cardboard in the backyard because we we do some alley catting and there's often, you know, free stuff, including free boxes. And so when we acquired enough boxes, we did the entire backyard. Um, But the front yard, we really just started with plain mulch, maybe a couple garbage, like a brown paper bags. Um, And then we also started just throwing our food scraps. I'd never composted before in my life. And I always like, (laughs) go places now and I'm like, I go visit my parents and we're chopping strawberries. I'm like, I will take those strawberry tops home with me and put them in my compost bin. So, yeah, we really had to work hard on building the soil. It was live in Florida. It's sand. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a a work in progress. We're constantly working on building the soil. um, And mulch is where we started
0: nice so that might lead us into a little bit of talking about what permaculture is because the soil is a huge part of it but it's much more than that so can you explain a little bit about these natural systems and permaculture as opposed to well let's do a definition of what we might think of normal landscaping to be and that would be uh you know very prim and proper and we bring in uh inputs from outside we bring in potting soil and then we bring in fertilizer and then we water it and we plant the plants because they're pretty uh, or that sort of stuff. And permaculture is a very different take on this. So can you explain what you, th- what you see permaculture is and how you use that as St. Pete's Microfarm?
1: Yeah. Um, I actually really liked your definition of what traditional landscaping is because it, it pains me now to drive around my neighborhood. And I remember shortly after we started converting, converting our lawn, I saw someone sitting in their yard on a lawn chair, watering their yard. And I was just like, that's just so unfulfilling like so what we've done is we completely as, as permaculture principle there are systems that work together you work with the soil that you have you build up the soil feed the soil and it will feed you um yes we we've gotten into a lot of um like fruiting trees and we try to we have fruiting trees to feed us and to feed the birds we have um flowers for the pollinators and for the bees and for the butterflies and it all works together. We're not bringing in a lot of exotics we're not definitely not bringing in invasives. We're trying to put the right plant in the right spot so that it all works together. Um, One of, I think one of the things that got me bought, really bought in was in some of these videos, they're like, oh, it's hardly any work. I'm like, what, how can you have this amazing beautiful yard with these trees and flowers and, and all these incredible plants. And it's not a lot of work. And I think that's what, <clears throat> that's the beauty of it all. It all works together. Um, you've got your nitrogen fixers building that soil and you've got your fruits and vegetable trees that once they're fertilized, they're going to, they're going to feed you. And so mm-hmm. yeah, it's all systems that work together eventually will will have, you know, Rainwater catchment systems. And if you've got low spots in your yard, you plant um, plants that like water. But if you've got high spots that stay dry, you plant your drought tolerant plant. And so it's thinking about the space that you're in and using it wisely and being planful about it. Um, and that's some really cool stuff you can do. Mm -hmm. yeah I
0: love the it's not a lot of work I've heard it called lazy gardening I used to joke that our if someone asked me do you know what permaculture is and I said yeah that's our front bed because we haven't weeded it (laughs) in like four years like I just gave gave up on that it was so much work and it is exciting permaculture regenerative agriculture is using those natural systems so instead of spending all that energy raking the leaves that the fruit trees are dropping the leaves naturally drop and then they decompose and they're feeding the soil and it's so funny that as humans or at least in like Western civilization, we've gone so far away from those natural systems that were that are in place to help and feed us. So that's super exciting. Did you have any, well, you have a neighbor down the street who's doing the same. Did you have any neighbors give you any side eye or pushback?
1: Luckily, no, that neighbor that actually, that gave us some gifts. She had actually kind of gave gave us a little warning. She has gotten cited several times um, from the city and we've been really lucky so far to not have had any problems (laughs) because you drive down our street and our house definitely sticks out. You've got green lawn, green lawn, fruit trees and craziness going on. And then green lawn, green lawn. And so we're trying really hard to make it beautiful because I know it can get a little wild and crazy. And so we are aware that we live in a space where we could get sighted. it's beautiful. And we have actually had folks in the neighborhood drive by and like people we've never met pull in and they say, what is that? Cause we have a, we have a bunch of papaya trees growing in and the papaya on the front yard. They're literally bigger than my head and f- people come by and they think they're coconuts um, because they're really that big. And we had somebody else come by and say, what is your secret? What are you doing? I've got a papaya tree and it's this big. (laughs) We've we've definitely started making a name for ourselves. And, but I think in our little vicinity, it seems like the neighbors have been really supportive and are more curious right now. Um, and so I hope one day that we'll be able to share the, the bounty that we have. Um, I did actually, we've got some papayas along the alleyway in the backyard and one of the neighbors on the other side, she actually came by and asked if she could have one of the green ones to make um, some hot pepper sauce. And I said, absolutely, here's five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it's been really cool to have this abundance that you can share. Um, and it's like, I I grew this. And there's something also um, very satisfying about saying, I grew this. Um, mm-hmm. Help from Mother Nature.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, going through the, the sort of not disciplines but uh, parts of uh permaculture and regenerative design it was mentioned like who do you have around well first of all who's using your garden it's not just like me and my husband it's also my dogs it's the birds it's the squirrels it's it's uh, rabbits it's all these things that we need to think of but then it also said who's next to you and who might have a problem with your garden what fruit tree can you plant on their side of the yard that they would like <laughs> and i'm like oh okay interesting
1: yeah um, <laughs> that's really true yeah we've um the neighbor right behind us actually, well, I'm sorry, next to behind me right now. Um, he, I think he was a little skeptical at first. Um, and I'm trying to kind of give the olive branch I've offered tomatoes or, or some fruit. Um, he still hasn't quite said, Oh, that's fabulous, but I'm still working on him. (laughs) There you go. I
0: think, yeah, I think fresh fruit from the yard next door is an amazing gift. So tell (laughs) us. brag on your bounty. I follow you on Facebook. (laughs) Obviously we know each other. I am extremely jealous of the Florida growing season because you have tomatoes in winter and I'm sitting here like, Oh my God, we still have stuff in the tent and like maybe in two months we'll have something. And so tell us about everything that you grow.
1: Yeah. So, um, when I first moved to Florida, I actually had to like flip my thinking about what is in season. What is season? I was part of a CSA. I moved from DC as part of a CSA. And, I got here in the wintertime and it was spring and I was like, all right, I'm going to join a CSA. It was May. And all the CSAs were done. (laughs) The season was over. And so that was a a shift I had to make. And now as I've, I've started growing annual vegetables, um, I've got, let's see, the bed right here has dill. so my, I've got some herbs. I've got dill, thyme, sage, um, I'm still working on being successful on my, on my basil. This has not been so happy with me. We're good at basil. So when we get oh, okay. some, <laughs> yeah, um, oregano, um, rosemary, those are the herbs. Oh, and I've got some cilantro and parsley in that as well. Um, as you mentioned, my tomatoes, uh, we have, <laughs> I planted, let's see, I, I started the seeds in July of last year and I started six and three of them were one variety. Two were another variety, and the third one was Everglades tomato. Everglades tomato is, you can tell by the name, it does well in Florida. Ever, it's got Everglades in the name.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the Everglades tomato has completely overtaken the entire bed. There's volunteers everywhere. Um, so my I, I fill up a bowl every day of just these itty-bitty, they call them current tomatoes because they're so tiny. Um, so I've got those going right now. Um, I'm looking out my window in the dark. <laughs> um, papaya, we have we have ton of papayas. I think we have at least twenty papaya trees, and um, most of them are fruiting. And the problem with papayas is that they take a really long time to ripen. <laughs> and so um, I've been impatiently waiting for these green ones to ripen. But you can eat them green as a vegetable. Um, we've got, how's this fruiting? I've got, um, my avocado is growing really well. It's not fruiting yet. It's still young. We bought it at a yard sale for $2 and it was probably a foot (laughs) tall. Um, And now it is over six feet tall. And that was probably about a year ago. Amazing. Um, uh, another tree that grows really well here is Moringa. So you know, that fancy schmancy Mm -hmm. expensive powder. Mm -hmm. Um, I can we were gifted at that uh, 15th street farm. We were gifted two sticks about two feet long them mm-hmm. in the ground. And I've got two trees in the backyard that are 20 feet tall. Oh, wow! <laughs> so there's, I mean, there's just so much you can grow here. We've got, um, I'm working on the perennial vegetables because that's another permaculture thing. It's, it's not just your annual raised beds that you're turning over all the time. They're a lot of work. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. The perennial vegetables and the perennial fruits are are really, I think, one of the key components of a, a food forest or a permaculture designed garden. And so we've got um Okinawan spinach, we have longevity spinach, we've got katuk. Um all of those are really powerhouse greens that you can saute and or just eat raw. They're quite delicious. Um our mulberry trees are starting to go pretty crazy. They're not quite ripened yet, but they just have buds everywhere. Um, I'm looking forward to our purple passion fruit. We've got a lot of the beautiful flowers, but no, none of them have been pollinated quite yet. Um, strawberries. It's, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> that's that it is. I'm getting strawberries right now, which is pretty exciting. Um, but my summers are quiet, so summers I can in my raised beds I can do like okra and peas um or sorry like black-eyed peas Mm -hmm. Um, thankfully all of the other like uh perennial greens I think a lot of them are Asian greens like I think Katuk might even be from I want to say Thailand I'm not quite sure but they thrive in the heat and so that's the other thing is like finding what works well in in Florida and in our climate. it very rarely freezes here. So I don't have that to concern or to, to be concerned with. Um, But I've got hurricanes, I've got winds, I've got different challenges. Um, So yeah, it's, I've got a lot going on. (laughs) The list goes on. Oh, bananas. I'm like fingers crossed that one of them is starting to get a, a flower on it. I'm, I'm hoping that when I come back from training camp next, this coming weekend it'll actually be fully out and i'll be like yes we've got a banana rack.
0: <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I'm yeah. so i'm so jealous. Yeah, just uh, maybe in the summer when we've got stuff then yours is lying low and yeah. we can We can oh, compete. Oh.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's amazing. We don't have bananas, we have an avocado tree but we can't seem to get it to fruit. So it's like we're right on the edge, we're kind of pushing it trying to have an avocado tree, but we'll see what, how it goes.
1: What zone are you guys in? 8a 8A. Okay. I think I am 10A. Mm-hmm.
0: I only oh. know that because I asked my husband today. So <laughs> if I don't take it, it's like, I know exactly what I'm talking about. He, my husband has been the the farmer gardener for the past five years. And then I've he, he's not a very good teacher. So I've been taking this regenerative gardening course and just learning about it. And that is um, so cool. yeah, one of the big things, this is silly, but one of the big things that my teacher goes on about, you're talking about uh, nitrogen. Have you started peeing in the yard yet?
1: maybe (laughs) (laughs) one of of the neighbors um she's got three kids and I remember we walk we were over there walking around her yard because she's got a beautiful yard she's got chickens and ducks and just amazing and one of her kids or like she was telling us that um as a family they they used to collect their urine (laughs) and one of the girls was like mom when are we gonna do that again (laughs) <laughs> so she's yes. teaching them young and i was like yes go mom <laughs>
0: i know it's nitrogen so people who don't know what we're talking about and think we're absolute freaks it's like <laughs> nitrogen i mean people pay for like ammonia fertilizer which is basically what we're peeing out every single day so uh it would be very strange for my husband to pee on our fruit trees in the front yard i mean our front yard is very exposed but i <laughs> i'm still like as of this week like do you think we could have a bucket in the house Think we can have a bucket can, have a bite? can we do it like i'm trying or can i train the dogs to like you know aim that way but yeah they're all they're all they're not getting there they just need to be in the same spots but like uh-huh. i know it's but that's part of like permaculture regenerative agriculture is all these natural systems that we just consider as like human waste whether it's our food whether it's our urine or our you know feces i'm not using that but um That takes us to compost, one of my favorite subjects ever. Talk to me about your compost and how that works in your yard.
1: So we started by – actually, we started by having one of those barrels that you buy at the store. I I think we had been gifted it. We filled that thing up so fast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was just like, we need need a bigger space to do this. And so we just started – not just, but um, after that, we transitioned to – throwing all of our food scraps and mulch and leaves and whatever we found into one of the raised beds. And so we, that was our compost pile. Um, And I didn't cover it. I just kind of let it do its thing. I'm, I'm a very lazy composter. I don't have, I don't have the three bins. I don't turn. I I just kind of let it do its thing. Mm -hmm. And um, when I need soil, I kind of go to the one bed that's still, kind of our our working compost bin and dig down real deep and I'm like there's my there's my gold. <laughs> <laughs> so we do a lot of like so we use one of the raised beds. Um we do a lot of just compost in place. If I've got um I say one of the other good things for bananas is bananas. So I throw the banana peels, I throw my coffee grinds, I throw everything in we have a banana ring out front and then we have another one in the back. And so I throw it a lot of it in the banana ring or anything that else is a, a heavy feeder. I'll just throw all the food scraps right there sometimes cover it up with some mulch, Um, let the bugs do the thing. And a lot of times it's really not that bad. Like this, I have, I don't think I've had an issue with the smell of compost ever. Um, Mm I think The worst smell we have is going back to the pee and poop thing. We use natural cat litter. And so Mm -hmm. we've started putting that out in, in the yard in certain places to fertilize around some of the plants. Um, So Mm -hmm. that is the only thing that's given up off a little bit of a stink. Um, Oh, and we have a friend who gives us rabbit poop. Rabbit poop is also another great fertilizer. Um, I've seen a definite difference in the beds that we used rabbit poop in versus the ones we didn't. Oh, nice. Oh, and then chicken poop. I was going to say, tell us about. I was going to. Next
0: question was, talk to us about how the chickens work into this system because, man, I'm getting 16 chickens and they're they're going and doing their thing. So I need to know what they're going to do.
1: Yes. So uh, one of the really cool things. So we only have three girls, and all of the raised beds that Bill, um, Bill and I built are eight by four. So I think it's like the standard size is comes as an eight foot, and then you just one cut. Um, just so happens that we found a coop slash tractor on Craigslist that was eight feet by four feet. Mm -hmm. And so we, it's about, I think it's a prefab one, probably from Tractor Supply, And it's probably got a two feet tall run of chicken wire all around it. And then on the one half, there's a little coop that fits three hens. They say you can fit six in there. I don't know that I trust it, Um, (laughs) but that's the coop where they go in. And it, and it's, I think it's intended to be just a, a run that you can move around. Well, we stick it on top of one of the raised beds and let them work there for a while. And then right now all the other ones are in use. So after one of the, probably after the tomatoes are done running their course, we'll move them to that. Bed and the one that they just came off of is great for <laughs> for whatever I'm going to plant next. They've done their job there. Um, we let them free range most of the time. Uh, this winter we actually kept them inside a little bit more because I had seen some hawks flying around, and one of the neighbors who has chickens, she said she lost one of her Ooh. girls. Um, and so I kept them inside for the winter, but I I let them out all day today and. Just so much happier, <laughs> and so they're fertilizing everything. I, I I truly think that one of the reasons why the avocado has just taken off is that the girls really like to dig and poop right under there, and so they're fertilizing it and making it grow beautifully. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they are they're just doing their thing. They are a little bit annoying because on the last raised bed I've got broccoli, and I don't have yet a. Barrier, um, mm-hmm. so they just jump up and they've totally destroyed the broccoli leaves <laughs> in the process of of building an anti-chicken raised bed something. <laughs> um, but I'm like, you know what? They're happy. They're out. They're getting good greens. I'm okay. Yeah, so they are. They are great. I'm excited that you're getting chickens.
0: <laughs> I am too. Nature's little helpers, and and that's something my husband and mentioned that we'll have to figure out something to wall off our our active um beds and we, i don't think we can put the chickens on top of them just because we have too many but that's another good point you mentioned once the tomatoes are done um i imagine that you practice like a no-till style of mm-hmm. gardening which is yep. like for people who aren't into permaculture and regenerative ag like is mind-blowing that you don't when you're done you don't pull everything out and then turn up the soil so what do you do is like I did a little chop and drop yesterday it was so uh-huh. fulfilling where you just take we had like dead Mexican petunias they're just big dry stalks and my teacher said the energy is up here and it needs to be on the ground so you just chop them and you just chop them and uh-huh. leave them there so tell me about talk about when your tomatoes are done exactly what you're going to do
1: um I haven't quite thought that far ahead but I think not like exactly like you said, just knock them down, probably cover it over with some mulch and then put the girls back on top of it. It's and done. And what you do thing. yeah. We do <laughs> like, one of the other um permaculture principles or I don't know, buzzwords maybe is the chop and drop. And so <laughs> we um we have Mexican sunflower. Are you familiar <laughs> with that? I
0: have it. No, I don't know.
1: So um I I saw a video and um Pete Canaris Green Dreams he's like one of the youtubers I follow all the time (laughs) and and I've learned a lot from him but um I believe in the video he said he calls it nature's fertilizer pound for pound it is equivalent to uh chicken manure and so Mm -hmm. and it grows like a weed it's another one where you take a cutting stick it in the ground and we've got 10 foot tall green leafy plants and then they have these beautiful sunflowers that the bees love. And so you could just chop, drop, putting nitrogen back into the soil. And it looks like, oh, those plants look sad for like a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they've grown back. And I, and I think every two months, maybe, we do a good round of chop and drop to keep them keep them lower and bushier and fertilize the ground.
0: It's so it's so cool. Uh, Have you gotten into uh, one of the things we realize when we get the chickens and even just now because we have really been well now there's two people working in the garden me and my husband and so we're really going through like the compost that we created and my husband is worried like if we get chickens we're going to need even more and so in my co-working space I've started a composting bucket there and we're going to have to start divvying up like You know the fresh scraps are going to the chickens, and then this is going in the compost pile. Have you struggled at all with getting your compost together? Are you taking from other places?
1: I haven't. I really want to. Like Mm -hmm. there's there's a number of breweries in St. Pete, and I have heard from other like I follow a couple other permaculture folks from that are local on Instagram, and I see them. They say yes, I scored this like the the mash or mash from the from the brewery, or oh, this local coffee shop gave me all of their grounds. Um, I'm part of a CSA here um, Mm -hmm. and he has built his soil. He had a partnership with one of the local companies and I've seen him just hauling loads of coffee grinds. And there's a whole bunch of composting programs in St. Pete. And I have friends who their house is a drop-off site. And so I've considered doing that as well. Um, I've only, I think the only kind of donation or help I remember talking to our neighbors next door one time um and said yeah if you've got any extra food scraps send them our way and they gave us these tupperwares of like things from their barbecue that oh. was like chicken and like there was some stuff that was usable but other stuff was like it's the pot that counts <laughs> but I'm gonna start teaching you what is what we can compost and what we can't so yeah I just that's really where I think it, There's so much anyone can do. It's so easy. Like you do not need to throw out that the butt of your um, lettuce Mm -hmm. or the stem of your broccoli, like compost that, (laughs) put it back into the ground
0: yeah i just wrote like a sign because uh in my co-working space someone had brought a bucket in for composting maybe a year year and a half ago and they'd kind of been in charge of it and people had gotten into a habit but it's kind of been left alone and not taken care of but i made a sign so i remember like when i first started composting was kind of intimidating i didn't really know what went in it um but once you get in the habit so i made a little sign that says what can go into compost coffee filter plus coffee grounds like immediately in an office that yeah. goes in the compost bin. Yeah. Food scraps, banana peels, orange peels. And then I'm like, no meat. Yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah. have that type of compost pile. Like we can't guarantee. I hear that as long as your compost pile is 140 degrees Fahrenheit for more than 48 hours, it kills any sort of bugs. But we're like you, we're lazy composters. We just do pile composting. So we've not taken a temperature and we're not doing all that. So yeah. okay. <laughs> <Anyway>. no meat. <laughs> we're not doing that. But you can put, um, put eggshells in it. You know, we do yep. that. Uh, paper towels. Um cardboard minus the uh, tape, and we yep. uh, we're also going to be saving cardboard to do lasagna mulching, yep. just like you mentioned. so yep. cardboard down over grass or whatever or the immature soil. so you we were talking about soil, you have to build it up. Most of our soil has been completely depleted of anything because we've been growing grass on it or there's been water runoff or just hasn't been taken care of. so you have to build it up so you do your yep. your um, <clears throat> cardboard and then, manure and then you know whatever else is kind of like brown green brown green and i feel like we should do a whole composting interview to be honest with you (laughs) to get into (laughs) it because i love it um but the exciting thing are these systems that um it's not it doesn't need to go to the landfill in fact that stuff that goes to the landfill doesn't even break down the way it should so when i was a kid and we would eat fruit my dad would tell us to throw the fruit out the window of the car but he was like that's the only thing he's like the animals will get it it will break down But I think people think that the same holds true if you stick it in the bin. Because I've had people say to me, oh, I get diapers that can be composted. And I said, well, do you compost them? They said, no. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) well, what happens when it goes to the landfill? The landfill is full of plastic. It's full of chemicals. It's not the natural decomposing process that we have in a compost pile. So, I mean, it's just amazing to take our waste and then turn it into fuel for our food. And it's an extremely... You know, uh, fulfilling cycle to be part of for sure.
1: Have you seen? Um, it was an Anthony Bourdain documentary. I think it was called, I want to say it was called Wasted. And it's all about how wasteful we are. And like it takes, what, is tw- it 20 years for a head of lettuce to decompose in the landfill? Like something mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. And you're like, it's just this little thing. And if you had just stuck it in the ground, You'd be building your soil. Yes. (laughs) It's it's like so simple. Um, so yeah, I I love composting and it's definitely changed the way I think about my food waste. Um Mm -hmm. I I mean we eat mostly vegetarian here, and so I always have parts of the fruit or vegetables that are not, you know, not something I want to eat. So I'll either give them to the chickens, which is another great thing, (laughs) or I'll just go throw them in the yard and it's not, I can feel good about that, but it's like, it's not in the landfill. And like, if more people would do this, we'd be in such a better place. Um, Mm -hmm. It just, it pains me to be somewhere where I'm like, I have to throw my banana peel out. No, yes. I'm just going to take it with me and go dig a hole and stick it in the ground. <laughs> well, it has, to, it has to be mentioned for people
0: who don't know me and Stephanie, we both are on the same triathlon <laughs> team and we've both been to triathlon camps together. And one of our favorites by Tri Marnie is her Greenville camp because it's held at the Swamp Rabbit in Properties, which is like a working mini farm. And me and Stephanie were like <laughs> stopping our fellow campers from throwing stuff in the bin and running out and giving it to chickens and throwing it in the compost. I'm like, don't, I'm like, give me, give me. <laughs> because, yeah you don't i don't want anything more to go in the bin than absolutely necessary so yeah let's talk a little bit about uh because it's rolling in naturally how does regenerative gardening and permaculture help our environmental situation i think we yeah. talked about it a
1: bit yeah i mean one of the things is the stuff's not going in the landfill um mm-hmm. and we are isn't there a statistic like if every person in the world planted a tree we could reverse the effects of climate change I mean, it's, I'm like, let me plant as many as I can. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it's just, it's being mindful of your environment, your surroundings. You're not, there's so much we think we need, but we really don't. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think this has really taught me to kind of get back to our roots. Like we all worked in, in the dirt and, Um, yeah, I've just been providing food for myself. I don't have to go to the store. I don't have to, um, use the plastic bag. I don't have to use gas to get to the store. I don't have to get, you know, the truck that transported it from 10 States away. It's from right here. Um, and we're not using a ridiculous amount of water that, that's another permaculture thing is you're using using the resources, you're trying to maximize what your current environment is. And so it's, I'm not running my sprinklers all the time to mow or to water my green grass. And that has chemicals that run off into the, into the street, which then run off into the bay. Um, we water when we need to. Yes. The, um, the raised beds do take a little bit more water. Mm -hmm. Um, A rainy season is coming (laughs) and my fruit trees will be quite happy without me at doing anything extra. And we have well water, which has been great. We're going to build, um, the rain catchment system. We we've got to install some gutters first, but we've got a rain barrel that that's going to be one of the things on our to-do list. So yeah, there's just all these little things that you can do and you don't, in your day-to-day, you don't think about all those, like, how did this How did this tomato get to me in this Publix grocery store right now? Like, mm-hmm. it costs a lot of energy to get to you. And so the fact that I can just walk 10 steps and go get one, I feel like I'm doing my little part to help climate change. (laughs)
0: For sure. I agree. It's it's very fulfilling. You know, just as you mentioned, um, the energy that it takes to produce the fruit that's just outside your door is so much less than having something shipped across the world. And then uh, that's how I started. Well, with my husband growing this stuff, it excited me to be able to cook out the yard. And then and then it became then it became the composting. Then it, now I see it's all like little circles. It's starting very small, whatever that is for you. Yes. You know, it could be totes instead of using plastic bags or whatever. And then once you're comfortable with that, it builds out and it builds out. So now I'm getting excited about, like I said, my co-working space, like bringing in the compost. And then I want to get in touch with someone at the city about what they do with their wood chips. Like, you know, there's municipalities that are chopping trees all the time and they just take the wood chips to, the dump and the wood chips can be used it is it is actually amazing how much stuff that we get rid of that are that is Mm -hmm. so incredibly useful and yet we pay for uh chemical fertilizers and like i said (laughs) we have all the chemicals we need (laughs) coming through our body and out of the sky and up from the ground you know and um spending lots of money on getting someone to chop down an, an ugly tree in your very very backyard when if it just falls and and lies there i mean it is a different mind shift because it is different from those manicured landscapes lawn things yeah but at the same time there's something very beautiful and it's exciting as well i, I imagine you get wildlife coming into your yard what sort of wildlife do you guys get there
1: um I was so excited today because I saw my first hummingbird in the yard. Oh, yes. It was, it, was all, it was all like really quick and really, really like, I don't think they come around Florida very often. I think it might be a little too hot. Um, but we've got a honeysuckle in the backyard and I just happened to look out and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so we've, we got I've gotten a ton of birds. So woodpeckers, blue jays, um, crows, hawks. Um, there is a bald eagle that – kind of has been hanging out in this neighborhood again makes me a little nervous about the chickens but um lots of birds uh I saw a possum walking across the yard the other day we get bats at night um tons of squirrels they're a little bit of a pain sometimes but um again the abundant when you've got enough um it's been kind of fun to watch the tomatoes I see these uh the mockingbirds. they go Mm -hmm. in and I see them grab a, a little bitty tomato and fly away and I'm like that's really cool. Like if I was, if I had like one plant with, you know, five little tomatoes, I'd be like, Oh my, my poor tomatoes, but there's plenty to share. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's one of the things I'm also looking forward to is like, as we continue to grow, um, we watched the movie the the biggest little farm I haven't Uh, seen it yet I really want to see it oh my gosh you have to see it because um one of the the things they were talking about in there is it takes I can't remember if it was five or seven years for the ecosystem to kind of settle kind of come to a a place of equilibrium um um, and so there are going to be times early on where you know all the fruit gets eaten or there's an infestation of pet uh, pests of some sort and so you find the like one thing that was really cool in, in their farm was there was slugs that were attacking one of the fruit trees, and they brought in their ducks to eat the slugs. And so this is how nature works. It's supposed to be like mm-hmm. this. So figuring out how you can do that in your own little space, um, and then seeing what happens. So yeah, wildlife has been mostly birds, but I'm sure there's much more interesting things to come.
0: Certainly. Yeah, we had the same thing about. Uh, so we're probably five seasons into planting and about the third year we had an infestation of hornworms that just decimated the kale and the hornworms are nasty like i just wanted to pick them off but my husband's like they'll bite you don't do that they're just they're they're horrible and um it just had to have that year it was a combination of While they were around and then I wasn't picking the kale enough because there's also that um, when you're starting to get into the ecological movement, this idea that humans are destructive to everything around them. So I certainly came in that way where it was like a hands off, like you want to leave things alone. But something I've learned through through actual practice and then also through my course is that our plants, especially the ones that we eat, have been domesticated. Well, we have domesticated them along with us and they actually thrive with us interacting with them so as I pick the kale off it does better because that is exactly what it was bred to do so me leaving the kale for as long as I did like oh I don't want to use it was just ripe for a, a bug infestation to just absolutely decimate it and now every day I'm out there getting the kale for some reason my dog likes kale so I have to kick her <laughs> out of the flower bed I don't know what she's doing eating kale but she's they're into that and it just does better, and it, it, yeah, we had one year where we just had a ton of problems, and we still never sprayed any sort of chemicals. Yeah. And it's kind of hopefully worked itself out. I never want to jinx it. I don't want this year to be another like. Ugh, but that's it's good. A good
1: reminder because I often will let things. I'm like, look, it's growing. Like I'm just so proud that I was able actually to grow because this really is my first season growing anything in raised beds. Um, and so that's a really good reminder that. I should be, I need to harvest like this tonight for dinner. I went out and picked one of the greens and um, we had dumpster dough for some other things earlier this week. And so I used that plus the greens from the garden and made us some dinner. And so, um, yeah, that's a really good reminder. I need to, just go out and pick stuff it'll be okay <laughs>
0: yes do it yeah and it I, it took me uh, learning the hard way to understand that this year I've really been like oh wow and then also in my course talking about how you have to prune your fruit trees like I'm all about just like letting them be and we've had some decorative we've had some camellias they're looking pretty rough and then I went out for the for my first chop and drop yesterday and then I looked at those camellias and I was like well you haven't been doing well because I haven't taken care of you like you should have been pruned properly and I'm just sitting here like oh don't touch it but they're domesticated plants they need a little bit of help so you got to get in there it's actually um uh did, have you read braiding sweetgrass by any chance that book no
1: not yet I, it's on my list you you shared it the other day and some someone else who i know also was like this is a really great book you need to read it so that it's, is, that is on yeah, my list.
0: fantastic and it's not i don't think it's a spoiler but at the end it comes around because it's not a linear story it's very much a wandering um Combination of indigenous knowledge with scientific botany, so it's, it's just oh, cool. super amazing. But it opens with the sweetgrass, and it closes with the sweetgrass, with showing that sweetgrass that's left alone does um, does much worse than the sweetgrass that was tended by people. And it's just shown over and over again that these are plants that are supposed to be brought up with mm-hmm. humans. And I think that's a really um, a really encouraging. Story to have in our systems right now as we battle the climate crisis. It's just very easy to be like, you know, climate change is human exacerbated. There is a certain element that's okay, but we're basically going to the extreme. But that can make us want to withdraw and say that we're a cancer on the planet and we shouldn't be here. And that's not the truth either. We shouldn't be, you know, overly zealous and, um, you know, exploitative of stuff, but we also shouldn't retract so much that we don't exist. That's we are part of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> so <laughs> what,
0: what are your plans for St. Pete's Microform?
1: Um, so I want to, it's <laughs> so hard. Cause I'm like, I just want everything. I want to be like fast forward five years from now and see all of the glorious dream. Like, no, like the process is important too. And the learning mm-hmm. and, and watching things grow. Like I, I don't have any kids, but I sometimes feel like my little seedlings are my kids. I love watching them grow. And so um, I think in five years, definitely want to have the rain barrels up. We want to have an Airbnb. Um, Really want to be able to show people like, look what you can do in your yard. Like we don't live, we live on a modest lot. We don't live, you know, we're not right downtown. We're, we're on the South side of town. Um, But it's so easy just just get in there and start. Mm-hmm. Um and so the Airbnb is definitely one thing that's on the docket. Um, I think I really wanna be able to share with people like exactly what you're saying, like you're you started a compost thing at your at your co working space. And actually I was at the office last week and I saw I was throwing on my banana peel. I was like, Oh, I really wish this building had a compost. Um <laughs> And so I, I think I would like to have a community compost drop off or something like that. Um, I really just want to share how awesome this is. Like it Mm -hmm. is so cool that you can grow a mango, (laughs) like grow a fig. like these things that you find at the grocery store, you have the ability to grow in your own backyard, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, just more, more sharing of the knowledge. That's really what I, I would like to do.
0: Well, also I'm glad to be able to provide a platform to share for you to share it on. And how can people follow St. Pete's micro farm uh, so um, that you can share even more.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we are on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, what is our, I think our Instagram is just St. Pete micro farm. Let me see if there's any underscores in there. Um, yeah. Nope. No underscore, Just St. Pete micro farm on Instagram. And then we're also on Facebook. I think Facebook has the period for Saint. So it makes it tricky about St. Petersburg, but yeah, you can find us there. Follow along. I was just out in the yard earlier today doing some Instagram stories. I I just love sharing pictures of how beautiful the space is and what's growing in our mm-hmm. backyard.
0: Yeah. One of the fun things I found about growing is actually seeing what the vegetables look like when they grow as opposed to how you buy them in the grocery store right like yeah. what stock of brussels sprouts looks like cuz we buy them already chopped right uh-huh. or like that a zucchini has this massive big zucchini flower and all of yeah. that sort of stuff and that was something i would, i just wasn't aware of cuz we buy our stuff from the supermarket you know
1: and the broccoli like i'm i'm <laughs> so excited cuz i i was gifted some broccoli, um, baby seedlings. And so they finally started to have the crown, but there's all these leaves and you never see any of those leaves when you get it at the grocery store. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. I totally hear you. There's and carrots. Like carrots have all this cool bushy stuff that you can also eat. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I love so. carrot greens and carrot tops. Yeah, and I also and you see as well how broccoli and Brussels sprouts are related because they look actually exactly the same when they're growing, except yes. that you get the little so. nodules for the for the um, Brussels sprouts. We we tried to grow broccoli and it's not been successful so far. We had like it took eight months to get like one crown. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll try again we did that one wrong but it's it's fun this the it's the experimentation right you just don't know and you don't know what's going to do well in your soil and as we build the soil that's going to change and depending yep. on the seasons and I think it makes you a lot more grateful for how things happen because you put the yeah. work in
1: you know yeah it's all trial and error like there's I mean one of the things about permaculture is the design element and I I'm a planner a project manager and so like I wanted to plan out here's where everything is going to go. And nice. Bill is much less of a planner than I am. He planned some things, but a lot of it has been in his head and he's like, thinks that things are going to go. And I just trust. And we, yes, we've, we've moved things trial and error, but for the most part, it's things have just been thriving. You know, you see what parts of the yard get the most sun and you see what parts are the shadiest. And so we have had to move some things that we thought based on what we read that it was shade tolerant. Nope. It needs more sun. And so we need to move or vice versa. And so, yeah, there's all kinds of cool things that you can do and yeah, it's been lots of fun.
0: Have you tried any Google culture yet or have you read about that?
1: Yes, I've read about it. We, ish. So, and I, and I say ish because when we moved in, we were told that in the very front of the yard, there had been a pine tree and mm-hmm. the pine tree was like, we've seen pictures of it. The pine tree was ginormous. And so they chopped it down and buried it. And there's this mound and, and that's where the roots are. And so sure. We're not putting lots of, you know, uh, pieces of wood on top because I think mm-hmm. that's really what the Hula culture is. But like, it was kind of, already in place. The foundation of it was started. And so that's actually where our banana patches, even though it is a little higher and bananas, do like it to be wet. And so it would make more, a little more sense to do it lower. They've been thriving right where we put them. So I, I say it's all because of the pine tree that used to be there.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, hugel culture, I mean, we're doing it ish as well. And it's because I know someone who's into permaculture and she just kept saying, you could do hugel culture. And basically, for people who don't know what this is, and I'm sure not very many people do, it's, and I might be getting this wrong, but the base of it is any sort of decomposing or rotting wood. And then you build up compost and soil on top and then you plant on it. And so, uh, my husband's not real excited about the ideas of mounds. Um, so our Google culture ish was digging a hole and then we have plenty <laughs> of decomposing wood on our property because we have yeah. old trees and some of them are falling. We put that down and then we put, uh, leaves and then we put compost and then we put, um, this is something I would want to ask you about. We were advised to put in, um, C90, which is basically a bunch of sea salt because we don't have the minerals in our soil. It's been washed out. And so by putting sea salt back in the, the, the idea is that our minerals in our soil have been washed out to the ocean and we're not naturally getting them back. And so you put the sea salt in, which would have the minerals um, and, or seaweed and we don't have any source for seaweed. So we use sea salt and then we put more soil and I've put potatoes in there and we topped it with uh, straw and supposedly just let them be. And so we'll see how our kind of hugel culture goes, but you're next to the ocean. So maybe you don't need to do the sort of sea mineral stuff.
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard people do that. I I haven't. Um, but I, I do know people or I've seen people locally who go to the beach and pick up seaweed and put it in their garden, um, get to get those minerals. We have, we're in an interesting place in, in Florida. So we're in Pinellas County, which is a little peninsula. And we are actually a couple blocks from, we are very far South on the peninsula. couple blocks to our east is Tampa Bay. couple blocks, uh, probably a little, maybe about a mile south, is the rest of the bay that goes into the Gulf. And so then the other direction east of us, a couple miles, is the Gulf. And so we are surrounded, and that creates its own unique little microculture here in in our little couple block radius that is even different than downtown St. Pete. Um, We sprouted a coconut. There's a couple blocks over. We were out for a run, or I was out for a run, and I was like, "Hey, here's some coconuts. Let me take them back with me." And so we stuck <laughs> a couple of them in the ground, and one of them sprouted, and, which was crazy. I've never seen that before. Things you don't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were told by Bill, the guy that we met at the farm where we volunteered, he had, they had tried at that farm, which is a couple miles north of here and a little bit inland. They tried to grow coconuts there, and it wouldn't happen. And so, just where we are, we've got the right combination of salt, air, and salt in the in the ground, and the humidity and the temperature that we can grow coconuts. That's awesome. So, yeah, I I may try some salt, but I, I don't think we really need it.
0: No, I think if it's blowing in, then you're probably getting it in the air anyway. Yeah. That's, that's cool. It's interesting to, to learn more about microclimates or learn or those things. I really want to go to the um, closest. There's actually the Catawba tribe um, that were never moved, weren't technically moved off their land. They always had a spot. And, of, of course, it's shrunk. <coughs> but they're only an hour away from me. And I really want to go up there and see what they have in terms of what they would plant. And so That'd I'm hoping,
1: so cool. yeah, to find out what's,
0: what's very local here. So yeah,
1: I think I just time. we have a Catawba grape. Ah. I assume, I'm assuming it was named after that tribe. Um, I don't know how well it's going to do here, but we'll see. They say yeah. muscadine grapes do better, but
0: muscadine is very popular here. My uh, okay. father-in-law grew muscadine very easily. So huh.
1: mm-hmm.
0: Well, what sort of advice would you give someone who's just waking up to the climate crisis?
1: Um, There's a quote that I often say, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second Mm -hmm. best time is now. And so I really think planting a tree, if you've got space for it, plant a tree, preferably one that provides fruit or shade Mm -hmm. or it's native to where you live. Um, I live in Florida, so shade trees are great. So that's what I would say, plant a tree or, or even do something, compost Mm -hmm. that banana peel.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. If we could do like a composting revolution, I'd be
1: totally (laughs) down with that. You and me with
0: some t-shirts and some Mm -hmm. signs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, My brother and his wife live in Switzerland and Uh, you know, in a, like a condo. And so when they're taking the trash out, they have their normal sort of like walled off trash, like we would big gate. And then behind that is a compost pile. And so I'm like, Oh, do you compost? And he's like, I put it in there. I don't know who turns it, but that's what they do. It's just very, very natural, you know, and I don't see why we can't do something similar here. And compost doesn't stink. I know you said yours doesn't (laughs)
1: like, it doesn't smell. We don't have a
0: smell problem. It doesn't.
1: The smell, it's not so. hard. It's super easy. Anyone can do it.
0: Mm-hmm. For real. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steph, I've had such a good time talking to you, yeah, and to see you. Uh, yeah, and I'm looking forward to continuing to follow Saint um, Saint Pete's Micro Farm on Facebook. I'm going to get on Instagram. I haven't followed it on Instagram yet, so I need to get on there and do that. And um, and maybe we can check back in on when's a like a big fruiting season for you. If summer is not it, then when do you guys get a lot of stuff?
1: Oh gosh. I'm a a planner, big nerd. I create an Excel spreadsheet with a list of all of the (laughs) fruits that we have. And then the months across the year or yeah, the months across the top and have like when things are going to fruit. So I'd have to check back in. Our stuff is still pretty young. Mm -hmm. um, But I think then, I mean, right now our peaches got some blooms on it. Our mango's got some blooms on it. Um, I don't know, fall maybe. Mhm. Yeah, we can, and I can look back at my spreadsheet and give you a better time too. <laughs> oh my goodness! Spreadsheet.
0: You are a planner. You're a project manager. I feel like I am, but I don't have that. I'm kind of just like, let them be. They'll come when they come. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Steph. I really appreciate you thank being you. on here with us, and uh, we'll certainly be following you and everything that's happening in your yard.
1: Sounds great. Thanks, Fiona. Okay. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye.